It's the Law and Business Podcast, hosted by Anthony Verna. We tackle the hard issues where law and business intersect to help you run a smarter business and avoid costly mistakes. Verna Law PC is an intellectual property law practice focused on trademark, copyright, advertising law, and domain name disputes. Contact Anthony at anthony at vernalaw.com. Welcome to the Law and Business Podcast. I am here, here with Angel Quintana. Angel, how you doing? I'm fabulous. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for, for calling in. And uh, I hope you like our fancy setup where you get to call in. <laughs> so, so Angel, uh, I know that you are a business advisor, and so, but I, I'm never really very good. So why don't you, you describe, describe your business to everybody who's listening? Okay, great. So uh, I have a, a business that's called Holistic Fashionista, and it was actually born from uh, uh, the lengthy time that I've been a business mentor for the past, uh, I don't know, 10 years or so. Um, I started Holistic Fashionista to basically support my clients, give them exposure online, um, let them write for our magazine, we do their advertising campaigns, uh, we promote them in a podcast or uh, our HFTV shows that we do on online. Um, so there's just lots of different ways where we just basically promote people that we think are amazing. Um, I normally just work with holistic leaders, people that really want to help people get to the root of their problems, not just a quick fix or a Band-Aid solution, but really dig in, ask those hard questions, and get people really to a place of transformation. So I'm really kind of grandiose in my endeavors here that I want to change the world. Um, I want to help other people change the world. Um, we all live in this, you know, energetic field together, and if we can make it better than what it is today, you know, I've done my job. And and the fashionista part comes in. You you, you dress really well. Oh, thanks. Well, I was a clothing designer before I started uh, basically, <laughs> you know, coaching and consulting other entrepreneurs. So there's always just a a huge place in my heart for looking amazing and and feeling amazing. I think they kind of walk hand in hand. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to help. You need to help us schlubby guys. You know that that's really. <laughs> I, I I can put on. I, you know, my wife loves it when I put on a suit, but uh, Aww, <laughs> other other than that, I kind of find it hard to. Uh, <laughs> guys have it easy though. I mean, girls have so many options that it gets a little overwhelming. You know, guys can just have a great pair of jeans and a collared shirt and some cute little tennis shoes, and they're still like looking sharp. You know. <laughs> I know what you're saying, but you know, you know, we still need to be careful too because I like even this, just when I'm wearing a polo shirt, I I I will say that when I buy like a nice polo Ralph Lauren shirt versus a cheaper one, I, I mean it, the the difference shows very well. So so even okay. us guys need to be a little careful when we're when we're on the casual side of life. Um, okay, so <laughs> let's move on to to our businesses. And a lot of the listeners out there are entrepreneurs, are solopreneurs, and recently we've been talking about uh, why small and medium businesses fail here on the podcast with 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 mm -hmm. other guests. And I would I would say what uh, what tips do you have uh, for the small business, uh, the medium sized business, to to help uh, market those businesses? And, and, of course, I'll be jumping in talking about some of the, those legal ramifications of, of the marketing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, 
I actually have had a failed business, so I definitely can relate to this topic. And one of the biggest things that is the biggest lesson that I learned is you've got to be good at sales and marketing. Uh, even if you've got a great product, you you know are creative, you've got an awesome website, if you don't have the sales and marketing down, it's not going anywhere. And I think a lot of people get uncomfortable with the idea of selling. Um, they think that marketing is just, you know, throwing some stuff up on social media. Uh, it's so much bigger than that. So I think that really nailing down your sales funnels, uh, really having a marketing plan that takes people on a voyage to not only get on your list, but to buy products from you that solve problems. And, you know, this old age saying goes, you know, you don't have to be the best at something to have a profitable business. Uh, you just have to know how to market yourself, market your products in a way that is attractive to the clients that you're actually going after. So that would be another tip is to actually know who your market is. Um, I'm not you you know, if, yeah. if, if I can stop you for a second, yeah. what reminds me, <laughs> what, what you said popped in my head. I had a conversation recently with a few other business owners, um, and we spoke about uh the the key of always be marketing and it was funny because then of course we started joking around about uh glengarry glenn ross the the uh play and and the the movie where uh in the movie uh alec baldwin's character comes in basically says abc always be closing which um certainly was a, a mindset but in today's world it's not a it's not really about closing because the way that you the way that you can close and and get those clients and get those customers is that you always need to remember that you're always marketing regardless of of who you're speaking to. Mhm. I mean, close it just feels very impersonal, which is why I don't really even I like agree to, with you. I don't like to call things like, "Oh, who's your target market?" It just seems very cold. Um, like who is going to buy my stuff? Like I am much more keen on the idea of of building relationships with people, you know, getting to know them, finding out their needs, uh, checking in with them. Um, I, my whole philosophy is about selling high-end products. I think that, you know, when you sell things of quality and you give personalized attention, um, that's where a real transformation can happen versus just, you know, purchasing an info product or, you know, a dress that you'll wear once. It's something that's, really going to have a lasting impression on how you live your life. And uh, so there's just a different way of thinking about who's going to buy my product. And I like to refer to this type of person, not as a target market, but as a kismet client. You know, really, who is that person that, you know, vibrates on the same level as you, as woo-woo as that might sound, or someone that is just like you, but maybe just like you three years ago when you used to have that problem. So there's just a lot of just connection um, to your market that is someone that's very similar to yourself. Um, I got to just give this anecdote with you, Anthony, because I don't know that you actually know this story, but when I was looking for an intellectual property lawyer, I had interviewed three different people. The first person you know, spoke to me in a way that I was actually left in tears. Like, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's no way I'm ever going to win this case. Like, I was just totally beat down. I felt like a victim. The second person that I talked to was just like, um, you know, I was actually going to hire him. Um, he had a good, upbeat um, uh, 
case that he wanted to approach my case at, and I felt very comfortable. It felt very natural to him. But then right after I hung up the phone with him, you called me, and you vibrate on my level. Like, it's very serious. Like, there's no BS. You know, I'm going to give you the facts. I've already reviewed your case. It was like, there's no, we're not going to joke. We're not going to be like, you know, chummy because this is a serious matter. And I really, really resonated with how serious you took my case without even me hiring it. You had already done the investigation. You have already gotten to know, you know, a little bit about what it is that I do, what, you know, the importance of that trademark. So that was like, I'm, this is the guy I'm going with. I felt, well, instead of feeling a, like a victim, I felt like back in control. I felt like, wow, wow, like I don't have to, you know, cry about this, you know, problem anymore. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, obviously, I, I, I'm not going to go into any, any details, uh, you know, with your stuff, you know, specifically, but thank you so much for saying that. But, but I think that's, I, I think that's important for a lot of the small businesses out there that they understand that it is what you say, it is how you say it, mm-hmm. and and this is and this is true regardless of what the arena is. I mean, part of of my particular practice, um, and and certainly um, Angel's an area you've never trod into, but uh, part of my practice is reviewing marketing materials because there are limitations as to what uh, states uh, put on businesses and and even the federal government. There are limitations on what businesses are allowed to say and how they're allowed to say it and and in what arenas. Uh, Not not just professional services, but but all kinds of businesses. Um, You can't promise uh, what your product can't deliver. For example, and you you might you might laugh at this. Years ago, I met someone who had a product that said it was uh, the product was great as um, a hand, um, you know, great for skin. You know, rub it in your hands; it'll make your skin gray. And it's great for a sanitizer. I mean, it, I was just like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. The same product is going to clean my room and <laughs> make my skin softer. And then she even goes, oh, it's great for, like, fibromyalgia, too. I was like, wait, no, no, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> where's, where's your scientific uh, proof of, right. of your great great hand sanitizer? <laughs> hand totally. sanitizer and fibromyalgia-curing product. Um, so, so we need to... Um, we need to understand how we say things in in our marketing and its tone because we're going to have our our consumers out there and and angel you're on both sides of that equation and I'm on both sides of that equation we need to know who our consumers are but as business owners we need to also understand where where our legal limits are in what we're allowed to say we kind of have to to make this um balancing act how does that sound <laughs> in terms mm-hmm. of of how we do do all of that so what are some of the things that 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 you have done that you can that, that you can give to business owners as as good tips well this idea of creating a sales phone so all of my clients i help them build their business online 
Uh, that's the area of expertise, and we do it uh, using luxury branding and really uh, high quality, quality over quantity, good customer service, all those things. And so uh, basically creating a sales funnel uh, to, you know, find out not only who is a buyer, but who is your ideal customer, um, testing the market, those kinds of things. And I think that people get a little, um, they get a little uh, confused about, you know, what exactly is a sales funnel? How can they mm-hmm. implement one into their business model? Um, we have several sales funnels. I usually, when I work with my clients one-on-one, uh, we, we actually create three sales funnels. Uh, um, and what that really means is we're going to take people on that adventure. We're going to basically try to speed up the process of turning them not only into a prospect, but into a a hot or a warm lead. Um, And we do that by creating pipeline products. So pipeline products are basically, you know, understanding your market's needs, you know, what is the urgent problem that keeps them up at night, and what kinds of, you know, little dabble products can you offer? So upsells, downsells, bumps, uh, impulse buys, things like that. You know, you think about going grocery shopping, and then you're at the checkout line, and You know, there's gum and candy bars and, you know, floss and everything. So what we want to do is take that philosophy and and transform that and create a sales funnel online doing the same exact thing. So they go into the market for one thing. You know, maybe you've done an ad and you're inviting them to come and download uh, an e-book or a a paperback book or whatever it ends up being, something free that you can give them um, to get them started. And then the very next step is to basically offer them a, an impulse buy, you know, something that they can throw in their cart and be like, you know what, this, you know, is something that I, is useful to me um, I, I, and I can get started today, but it's not going to break the bank. And then from there, we take them to an upsell, you know, a bigger product where they can actually start working on their problem, the urgent problem that they have right away. So that's the whole thing. And I think a lot of people are marketing to people that have problems. But the people that will walk to the kitchen, go to their purse or their wallet, grab their credit card, walk back to the computer, enter in the information, it's someone that's like, wow, like, I want to get this problem solved, like, right now, and for 200 bucks, I can do that? Perfect. So it's also about understanding the language that you know, sure. you're using, you know, so you need to speak their language, and that's where, you know, sales coffee comes in, and I think that also overwhelms people. Um, I don't want, I'm not a copywriter. How do I write good copy? And I, the metaphor that I use is that sales copy is like tea time. You know, it's like I'm going to basically just naturally speak like how I would if I invited somebody to tea and I'm just going to put it on my sales page and I'm going to have a little chat with them. And if they speak the language that I'm speaking or if I'm intentionally speaking the language that would resonate with them, then that's going to get them to the next stage. Now, that's like one funnel. We would do that over and over until we actually got to the high-end product, which could be anywhere up to like twenty-five, fifty thousand um, dollars. But usually, a high-end product is anywhere from five thousand to fifty thousand dollars. And you know, the the way that you sell that is by taking them through multiple sales funnels to warm them up, get them mm-hmm. to know, like, and trust you, and then then you've got them. Now you've actually built a relationship. And your business is basically automated at this point, which is kind of the beauty. I mean, I know a lot of Internet marketers are, you know, really exploiting, you know, make money while you sleep. But if you've got some good sales funnels, it's going to do the mar- a lot of the marketing for you. The only thing you're going to be responsible at that point is to be testing and doing advertising. How does how – does, um... 
how does advice um, go over when you tell a business owner, hey, look, it's it's okay. You don't need to be the copywriter. You don't need to be the one that's um, that's implementing this. That that's that that's what we're here for. Because a lot of a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, a lot of small businesses aren't really itching to spend money in today's environment. Would you agree on that? Yeah, I think there's a lot of free things out there and everybody's trying to piece it together <laughs> themselves, you know, trying to save a buck, but that's the long the, way. The internet, the internet economy of free. Yeah, but the thing is, piecing those puzzle pieces together can take a, it can still take a lot of money and it takes a lot of time. So that's why, again, we go back to, is the problem urgent? Do you want to just keep piecing it together yourself? Because that's not an urgent problem. Someone who's like, no, I want to get my business going now. I'm sick. I don't want to piece it together anymore. So I'm going to tell me how I should do this. How do I make it work? I don't want to guess. I don't want to read a million books anymore. I don't want to download any more free reports. Just help me. And that's the type of client or customer that we should be going after regardless of what we sell. And one thing that 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 i've noticed is that um a lot of small business owners once you set up that that sales funnel part of that is is writing newsletters and i think a lot of people are i would say afraid of things like um can spam which is a federal act and i'll talk about that once you're okay. done um and really the idea that there are um that there's too much email and that their email newsletters are going to get lost in the clutter. Mm-hmm. How do that you happens. how do you get somebody over that over that that fear? Well, we well okay. This is something I learned um, earlier this year. We uh, we used to use a, a different email content management system, and our open rate was like so low. And I'm like, oh my god, like how could it be this low? Um, and so I did a little research and I found out that e- email content management systems get rated. So if they have a, a, a low rating, that means that you're, probably your email is going to spam because of the actual email content management system, their rating of like how many people push spam from people that use that management system. So we ended up switching to a different email management system and now our open rates are much higher. So the first thing I would recommend is make sure that the email content management system that you're using has a high rating. And so that would be, I mean, I've done my research. Entreport is great. They have a high, high rating. Um, Constant Contact is a high rating. And MailChimp. Those are the ones. I, Infusionsoft is like such a science to me. I, I, that's just way too complicated. Um, but I think a lot of people have had success with them as well. I, I think that's I think that's fantastic advice. I think that's advice that that a lot of people um, probably wouldn't hear, because I you know it's where you send your email from isn't necessarily something that a lot of um, that a lot of uh, advisors give out. Uh, as for the fear that that I deal with sometimes, and I talk to a lot of people about uh, the Can Spam Act, and the Can Spam Act requires a few things. One, some kind of, of permission or really if somebody gives you uh, their email address on, on a form, obviously that's, that's permission. So it requires that kind of permission. It requires that there is a way to opt out. 
And just about uh, every uh, email marketing system that I've seen has an unsubscribe button, has a spam button. You know, so so they are compliant with uh, the the U.S.'s can spam uh, uh, requirements. And you don't need to be all that fearful. My own opinion is that if somebody is going to click the spam button or click the, the unsubscribe button, as long as the system handles it properly, and and look, with every email that, that gets sent out, there, there might be one or two unsubscribes. There might be one or two spam clicks. As long as there aren't a lot of spam clicks, uh, your email you know, company is going to... Um, you know, just kind of say, look, it's one or two. It's not a big deal. But uh, if you get a lot, you have to sit down and work with your email marketing company. How are you gathering these these email addresses? And again, if you're doing it all by opt-in, if you're doing it all by uh, some other kind of permission because you meet people out uh, networking, never ever... <laughs> When you're out networking, just collect a whole bunch of business cards and put them on your list. That's right. not going to that's going to be considered spam. Um, but when there's engagement there, you know, engagement further than that, make sure you you get that permission to to put them on on your list, and, and you'll be okay there. But yeah. it, to me, to me, you can't be afraid of putting out that newsletter, putting out that newsletter weekly, and making sure that there's always content. To, to make sure that you're in the eyes of cust- you know potential customers and potential clients because it it takes several times before you're you're going to make a sale with most people exactly and if even if they don't open it they see your name in the inbox so then they're reminded subconsciously right so you know I think just being in their peripheral until you're in their face is, is fine. You know, it, we're, you're getting to know them, you know, you're building the relationship. And I think being in touch with them and, you know, having strong subject titles and having good content, that's not always selling them something on every single newsletter. Um, I think it's also important just checking in, you know, asking feedback. And, you know, I, we, a lot of times at, at the end of our newsletter, we'll be like, hit the reply button and let us know what you thought about that article. Um, just for engagement purposes. No, I hear you. I understand. Understand completely. Angel, uh, we're really at about the uh, end of time for our for the Law and Business podcast. So thank you so much for coming. Again, tell everybody how they can find you. Uh, you can visit holisticfashionista.com. Um, if you want to learn more about uh, working with me, you can go to angelquintana.com. Wonderful. And if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to leave a review of this podcast, and we'll see you next time. Angel, I hope you'll come back. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Anthony. You're welcome. Thank you for coming. All righty. This has been the Law & Business Podcast. Visit VernaLaw.com for more episodes. To contact VernaLaw PC, send an email to anthony at vernalaw.com or call 914-358-6401.